0: Uh, this is great. This is one of the positives of not going away. With Mike, he can get a chance to speak when he's away. And just um, talking about your trip to Uganda, I rang up Bob Hamilton when I was in Christchurch this week. And uh, Bob went on one of our trips because he's got missions in his heart and the church he is with didn't really have a missions focus. But I've heard now he's back on staff and the whole Celebration Centre have taken on another branch of Uganda They've brought another pastor over three times and it's now part of their church life to embrace missions because of that work, which is so good to see that our work is not only here, but it's multiplied. So what I want to talk to you today is about something I'm in a cell group and and some of the teaching Mike was doing about um, uh, the Hebrew Six Foundations, towards the end of it, the the group was still trying to get their heads around some of the concepts to do with uh, reward. So I'd just like to pick up the verse that Mike's been using a lot through this series is that one in Ephesians 2.10, that we are actually created, not just for nothing, but to do good works. we have heard of the tremendous good works we're doing, but we're created to do good works. We're not just here to be saved and wait till we're caught up to heaven. We're saved for a purpose, and our lives, God really wants our lives to count. We've got good works that each of us have been ordained to do. Even before we are born, God had things worked out for you to do. And that's a great concept. And then we've been looking at several kingdom parables. uh, The wise and the foolish virgins, for example. And when it came time for the Lord's return, some of those virgins came right in to the banqueting table and had a tremendous time with the Lord, and the others weren't ready. They didn't have oil in their lamps. And they actually missed out on what they could have had. And then there's a kingdom parable about the talents. You know, he's given talents, and everyone has different allocations of talents. But You might have a five-talent person. You might be a two-talent person. But if you put what God's entrusted to you to work and you become productive for his kingdom, when God comes back, he'll say, well done. I've got great things for you. You've qualified yourself to come into positions in my kingdom, positions of authority, positions of rulership, because you've qualified yourself. But if you hid your talent and did nothing with it and said, God, you're a hard person. It's just such a hard thing being a Christian. I've buried my talent. He'll say, you'll miss out. Take it away from him. Give it to someone who's going to be productive. And, um, and then there's also the kingdom parable about the pounds. Everyone was given pounds, again, to make what he'd entrusted with us fruitful for the kingdom. And there is reward. There is reward if we live and make our lives count. There are things for us to enter into that not everybody enters into. And this is a concept which doesn't actually fit our welfare society where we should all be treated the same. It's not fair, why should some get what I don't get? But actually, we're in a kingdom, and it actually is kingdom reward. And we don't all uh, qualify to be in the same position in the age to come, that um, it, it, all, it all depends on what we've done with what He's given us now. So, um, and the reward is related to productivity. Do you have a heart for the Father's business? Do you care about lost souls that? actually need to be brought in. It's great that Alan's going to places and preaching the gospel because he has a heart to see people want. I mean, he's after it. He wants us to seek and save the lost. And we're coming into a season now with our prayer meeting this week. It's harvest time. And I believe God really wants to stir us to be far more um, caring about the Father's business and to be part of wanting to really bring souls in because this is the time we're in. And also to extend the kingdom wherever we live, in our homes, in our workplaces, to let God's kingdom and the ways of God's kingdom become established. This is the heart of God. And uh, so it, whether we're productive or not, whether we apply ourselves and make what God's entrusted to us um, uh, bear fruit, it, it is, it's really going to count for eternity. And, uh, and our work will be tested by fire too. Some people's work is actually just a good idea And when it's under the test of of the fire, it doesn't stand the test. But things that God inspires, the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to do, even little things, going and blessing your neighbor, helping a person who's sick, any little thing that God puts in your heart to do, that's a good work, and it will stand the fire because it's inspired by God, and God gets the glory. But if it's trying to make your own name great or the motives are wrong, well, that gets tested by fire. And uh, and that won't last the test. But I want to read another little um, uh, story in Matthew 22, where it um, just uh, alludes to this too. And it's and really I want to talk about maintaining our wedding garment, because whether you're a man or not, I love it. Ian says, get used to being part of the bride of Christ, <laughs> just like women have to get used to being a son of God. Uh, we're all part of the bride of Christ. God's bride is his church. And brides have wedding garments, and he wants us to maintain our wedding garment. So if you read Matthew 22, and it's a story that Jesus was talking to the, um, the Pharisees about, and Jesus answered and spoke to them by parables. And He said, the kingdom of, God, of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. This is God the Father who's having a great marriage feast for his son Jesus. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. This is the Jews. First of all, all the Jews. God intended the Jews would come into his kingdom. And he put the word out, and he started preaching. As soon as he started preaching, the kingdom of heaven's at hand and invited them all to come to and become part of his kingdom. And, um, and he said, you know, he sent out other servants. Tell those who are invited, I've prepared my dinner, my ox and my fat cattle are killed. All things are ready come to the wedding. But the Jewish people made light of this. And they went their own ways and one to his farm, one to his business. And then worse than that, they even got hold of the Lord's servants. People like John the Baptist got beheaded and Jesus got crucified and the disciples got treated pretty roughly. He actually despitefully treated all God's servants. And so the king heard about this. He was furious. And he sent out his armies and he destroyed those murderers. And he burned up their city. And if you read in history, in 70 AD, Jerusalem was... Totally overthrown and suffered huge loss. But then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready and those who were invited were not worthy. Now go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. And this is the good news for us. Because after the Jewish people refused to come into what God had for them, he said, right now, whosoever will may come. Anybody everywhere, the invitation is out. Come, come, come. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a wonderful um, truth that we can understand? So those servants, they went out the highways, byways, Uganda, Fiji, wherever they felt the Lord send them to go, and they found them. Bad and good. You actually don't even have to be good to come into the kingdom because he makes us good. It's the goodness of Jesus that he puts upon us. And we become okay in his presence. So you don't even have to get yourself all right to be able to come. You just have to come and receive the gift that he gives us through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man there who didn't have on a wedding garment. He actually wasn't wearing the garment. Now I believe when everybody gets saved, God clothes us. God clothes us with a garment of righteousness. He wants us to wear a new garment that he gives us. Even the demoniac that was crazy and naked in the tombs, after he encountered Jesus, he was sitting, he was clothed, he was in his right mind, he wanted us to go wherever Jesus went. He said, no, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go back to the people where you are a failure, and I want you now to overcome in that situation. I've got work for you to do. So that's why even though we're clothed, he still wants us to... Um, Go to work and become a, 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 an overcomer, a, a person who can um, rise up where we failed before and become um, productive. So um, he, he gives But this man, when it came to the time of the wedding feast, he wasn't clothed. So the king came in and he saw the man who didn't have the garment on. And he said to him, it's interesting what he said to me, he said, Friend. Now in the Bible, back in John 15, he talks that we're not servants anymore, we're friends. And a friend is someone who knows what the Father's will is. He knows the heart of the Father. So he was a person who actually knew what God required of him. He was a friend. But he said, hey, you're a friend. How come you're here without your garment? And the man had nothing to say. He was actually speechless, nothing he could say. He was without words. He knew what was required of him. He knew he hadn't qualified. And he was there without the clothing that he should have been wearing. And so the king said to his servants, and this phrase is only used about three times, I think, in the New Testament. He said, bind them hand and foot, take them away, cast them into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many people are saved, but few people are called out from the saved to qualify and become part of being able to enter into this marriage feast. And this person was disqualified because he knew what was required. And when the time came, he wasn't wearing what God had wanted him to be wearing. So the Bible says, take him out and put him into outer darkness. Now this does not mean hell. This means you're on the outside in a a dark past and you're aware there's a big banqueting table going on. You're aware there's a big party right nearby, but you're just on the outer, and you cannot be part of it. That is the saddest thing. And when, if that was to happen to us, there'd be huge grief. There's weeping in Ashton Teeth, it's just a son. Huge grief, knowing I could be in there. I could be in that wedding feast. I could be having a tremendous time of celebrating with the father that's come back to celebrate a marriage feast. But because of not having a garment on, I'm on the outside. Now, this really speaks of... The millennial reign of Christ, there is in the age to come, which isn't far away now, a thousand years. I talks about in Revelation twenty, where people will rule and reign with Christ on earth. What a privilege to qualify, to share the throne with Christ, rule and reign on him, and bring all the earth under his authority. We are invited to be part of that. That's what he's qualifying us for, to be part of that age where we can share the throne with Christ. But we've got to go through our apprenticeship. We've got to qualify ourselves. We've got to be productive. We've got to put to work what he's given us now to qualify ourselves for positioning there and for authority to be invested in us. And if you're not part of that company that becomes part of that millennial reign, you'll have to wait and you'll be so upset that you couldn't been there but because you fritted away your life on earth and didn't make your life count, you just sat around and did nothing for God's kingdom, you actually disqualify on being part of the authority and ruling company with Christ. And all those situations, like it the, the, um, also happened in the, um, the virgins, that didn't have, they, went, they didn't have the anointing of God around their life. They hadn't got into the Holy Ghost and made their lives rich and full of the flow of the life of the Spirit. They weren't prepared. And so they weren't able to go in and be part of what God had prepared for them. And that is, I think God's stirring the church now. I think it's getting so close to the time when he wants us ready that he's, he's stirring us now. That's why there's been so much teaching. You're saved for a purpose. There's a harvest out there for us to bring in. There's God's kingdom that we're to co-work it with him to help establish on earth. And God, man's always been created to have dominion. Right from Genesis, man was created to rule. But it's not an automatic uh, privilege for everybody. So, this is a parable when um, uh, some people are not qualified. Now, as I said, when we get born again, when we receive the Lord into our life, we become a new creation. We're born, that new creation man, that spirit man on the inside, that was born in holiness. It's holy, it's righteous. It's God. It's the God in us. And I love what Ian said. I went to his conference in Christchurch on Thursday night. And something he said that really made me think, God wants us now to wear our spirit on the outside. We wear our flesh on the outside. We're up and down with the moods of the day and we're full of our own lusts and passions and drives. But God wants us, that spirit life of Christ, he wants that now worn on the outside. He wants us to be representing the life of Christ and, and putting that on so I was looking at some scriptures in, um, in Ephesians let's go over to Ephesians and he talks about um, being, wearing these sort of clothes Ephesians um, 4 22 to 24 the Bible says put off the old stuff that you used to wear, on, wear for everybody to see put off your old behaviour you used to do just don't do it anymore put it to death the old man, it goes corrupt and it's just driven by all your deceitful lusts. All the things you think you need, you don't really need. You're deceived by, uh, as Mike was talking last week about, we're all under the, the um, worldview system of the, of the present age, which is pressing on us all the time. And if we believe the stuff that's prevalent and we live according to that, we'll be living all about number one. <laughs> that's what's good for me. But he said, your mind has to be renewed by what God says. You come into the kingdom of God, renew your thinking. And and if you renew your thinking, you'll act out according to your new thinking, what you believe you are. So if you allow your thoughts to be renewed, you'll then begin to put on and live out your new garments. You'll put on the new man. And that was created in holiness and righteousness, and you'll begin to live that out. And in chapter 5, in verse um, 27, It says, um, Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. He wants to set her apart and and clean her and wash her with the word because he wants to present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. He doesn't want our garments all spotted and wrinkly. In fact, he's given us ways in which we can cleanse our garments. One way we can wash our garments is confess our sins. Because as we confess our sins, he cleanses us. And he also says we wash ourselves by, the, 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 by getting exposed to the word of God. We begin to wash and cleanse our garments. I think the best way to get out wrinkles is a bit of heat, actually. And I think he applies heat sometimes so that the wrinkles can be, you know, flattened out. Because he wants a church when he comes back that's got a garment that's not all spotty. In fact, we can even lose our garment because the enemy can come and rob us of it. But the really thing is, is that he wants us now to, to um, uh, start to wear this new life. Um, and there's, there's a lot in Ephesians and in Colossians about putting off the old stuff and actually putting on the new garment and living. So the spirit man is there for you all to see, and they'll see Jesus. You know, show us your glory. Your glory will be seen in us as we begin to become more and more like Christ, and displaying that. So this is part of how we, we um, maintain our garments. Also in um, Revelation, whose job is it to have the garments already? ready? In Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8, it says, Let's be glad and rejoice and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come. This is all prophetic of what's going to come up. And it said, His wife, the church, has made herself ready. It's our job to make ourselves ready. And to her it was granted that she was arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So we're called to do good works and these good works which God has already prepared for us to do, as we do them, this is our fine linen out of our wedding garment. We'll be maintaining our wedding garment because we'll be Doing the things that god 's called us to do and and qualifying ourselves to be part of sharing with him in the next age, so and the great grief that comes when they're cast out of darkness, they miss out on the reward, they miss out on the banqueting chamber, miss out without power and authority with, with it, and actually they have shame and dishonor and then the Bible talks about being naked in his presence or not being clothed in the things he's given us to, to wear, he, he associates it with being with shame and dishonor. Um, and he also says in Revelation 16, it's our job to keep our garments. In verse 15, behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and I see his shame. Obviously, the man in this parable. The thief had obviously come into his life. He hadn't been diligent and watchful, and he'd actually come in and has, had been robbed of what God had equipped for him to wear. So it's possible to be robbed. And when a thief comes, you actually don't know he's coming. He just comes unawares. Talked even about Samson, who had the tremendous anointing on his life, and he could shake himself and have tremendous strength. And it said one day he shook himself, and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Obviously, all of a sudden, without him realising it, what he was able to step in and do, all of a sudden, was not there anymore because he had worked carelessly and it had been lost. So I think God wants us to be vigilant and make sure that we keep and maintain our garments unless um, a thief comes in. Now, so how do we maintain our garments? There's just three passages I want to um, look at because each of these I've experienced um, in my own life. One of them is the second-to-last book of the Old Testament, the Zechariah and Malachi. In Zechariah verse 3, this is at the time again in the Old Testament when they were restoring the temple, and that speaks for us prophetically to a time now when God is restoring this temple for him to come back and and inhabit. And Joshua was a high priest, and um, Zechariah had a vision of him. It says in Zechariah 3, He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments. He was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. See, I've removed your iniquity from you, and I'm going to clothe you with rich robes, and they put on a clean turban, and they put the clothes on him. I remember once when I was sort of being tormented by the accuser. You know, the accuser all the time wants to accuse Christians, all the time to tell you how bad you are, how inadequate you are, something wrong with you. You might have had a season in your life, and you just felt all the time, I'm not good enough, or something like that. And that's when, um, if you believe that thought, your garments will actually be quite soiled, because you believe the lies and then you'll begin to wear on your life according to those lies, that you're not good enough so you won't do anything and then you'll just become lazy and lukewarm and da-da-da-da. But coming into the presence of God, I remember I was with a a lady who was praying with me once and I said, I can't get rid of this tormenting thought. She said, let's see what God will do. And as we're just there, I just had that verse come to mind. I felt the Lord himself got rid of that accusing devil and threw him out of the way. Because he doesn't belong to us. And really we can stand up and overcome these tormenting and accusing thoughts that will come and, and squash us down. But sometimes just in the presence of God, God himself will stand with us and help us get rid of those things and give us clean garments again. And it's amazing what God does just in his presence. When you really are open and say, God, I don't want this stuff around my life, but I need you to help me. And God can... Just renew your garments in his presence, which is so beautiful. But um, I've also been really looking at the churches in Revelation. I wonder if you've got nice garments on and you're not going to have evil eyes and um, wickedness. But I'll just do a little testimony. The Lord said to me years ago to stop doing relief teaching and to trust him financially because he'll look after me. And he's a really good provider. But you know what he's just got to do for me now? On my 65th birthday next month, we going to be flying into Turkey, shouted a trip to visit the seven churches of Revelation. <laughs> Isn't God so good? Yay, he's so good. Now, no green eyes, no envy, because you're full of love and blessing and rejoice when others are blessed, don't you? Because you've got those beautiful garments on. But anyway, I've been looking at all these seven churches because I want to know a little bit more about them. And the more I've thought about them, all over the world, I find people are preaching on them. People are paying series on the seven churches of Revelation. Why? Because... When God's going to bring in the revelation of this age to come, he starts with the church. Judgment starts with the church, and he's getting hold of the church like us, and he wants us all to become really aware of our state, and he's good to us. He not only helps us really be aware of our state, but he shows us how we can get right, and then he has a great promise for us. So they're great, great, great situations. And The two that I talked about are referring to nakedness and not being clothed, so First of all is the church of Sardis. In Revelation 3, actually they're both in Revelation 3. Revelation 3, he talks to this church in Sardis. And he says, these things, uh, says he who has the seven spirits and the seven stars, I know your works. Every church, he says, I know your works. Isn't that good? He actually knows what we do. He knows your works. He knows those that are going to Bible and schools every week. He knows those that are going off on mission trips. He knows those that are running out for courses in their home. He knows your works because he watches your works and it's according to your works that you're going to get reward. So he knows what we've been doing. And he says, you've got a name that you're alive. You think you're a great pumping church. And we probably do too. (laughs) I think we are a great church. But he said, actually, you're dead. What? (laughs) And you know what? We can be... And you, I was looking at, when I was coming back from um, Wellington, there was a tree across the road. You know, sometimes you have great big tall trees that look like they're great, that they can be blown down in a wind, and actually they can be quite hollow inside. They can be eaten out on the inside. They can be dead on the inside. And I think we can actually come along to church on Sundays. We can come to the prayer meetings. We can come to all sorts of things and actually be dead on the inside. I felt like that at times, you know. inside dead, still going through the motions, but we can be dead. And sometimes it's because we get offended. Sometimes things have happened that we didn't like and we got stuck and hurt by it. The Bible says actually when iniquity abounds, and sometimes we've just been able to see a whole lot of iniquity, your love can just go cold. And we can easily be like this in a church, and on the inside actually have a deadness in us. And I'm so pleased we're doing your course this term, Lynn, Because if you feel there's a deadness on the inside, there's no tears in the presence of God. There's no excitement about souls. There's none of the passion. You're just dead. Well, face it and get along to the course this term because you can deal with whatever came along and made you dead. Because you know what? God breathes life into dead people. He can breathe life into dead marriages. He can breathe life into dead kids. He can breathe life where there's death, because he is the resurrection of the life. And if you are actually dead on the inside, even though you might look good and think you're in a pumping church and everything's great, you've actually got to face the facts. And he says four things for this church to do to actually get yourself up and going again. First of all, be watchful. Actually, you've got to have a good stop tape. You've got to be real about what you like. You've got to call it what it is. You've got to say, actually... I'm dead. I haven't felt God for years and I've just lost my passion. Call it what it is. Watchful people, prayerful people really do get a stock tape of what they really are like. If not, ask the prophetic people, they'll tell you. (laughs) Anyway, and then strengthen the things that remain. Okay, we can strengthen ourselves. There's a time of prayer and fasting coming up. This time, Determine, I'm going to strengthen my prayer life during that week. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to really give it heaps. In fact, I'm even going to fast. I'm going to do some things to strengthen what is there. It mightn't be very much, but strengthen it. Because you can. You can determine that this time I'm really going to get in and I'm going to stir myself up and I'm not going to live in this passive half-dead state. And then remember, start thinking about what God's done for you. Start thanking him. Start thinking about your salvation. Start thinking what you used to be like when you first got saved and you couldn't stop talking about him. Just remember and go back over some of the experiences you've had with God and and just get them alive inside you again and, um, and repent. If you've just believed a whole lot of lies and if you've been harboring unforgiveness and bitterness, repent. Actually, when we repent, he cleanses us, forgives us, and you can make your garments all nice and clean again. He's given us all the things to do if you're in that dead state. And then you won't have a thief come in and have your garment taken off you without you realising. Because it can happen. He can come in like a thief and rob you of your garment and you could be like the man with no wedding garment. Just simply because you've been dead and haven't really acknowledged it. And, um, and he that overcomes, you will be clothed in these white garments. You will be ready when he comes. Isn't that a good... Uh, kind of stir up for people in churches. I think all churches need to hear that because we can look good and we think we're fine. But actually, we've got to face the truth. And then the other church was the Laodicean church in um, verse 14. And he says this this church. Now, Laodicea was a very wealthy city. In fact, they had a big earthquake in Laodicea and they didn't even want any help from Rome to help them recover. They were really wealthy. They were quite self-sufficient. We don't need anybody. Thank you. We're fine. <laughs> Maybe some of us are like that. Very independent, Very. don't need anybody to help us. We're actually quite wealthy. We've actually got all we need, and we can have this sort of um, mentality. And the Bible says, well, I know your works, but you're not hot or cold. You're actually lukewarm. You're passive. You're full of apathy. You actually haven't done anything for God for years. You've just come and been a pew warmer, got fed, looked after number one, and you've forgotten all about the king and his business, and he's entrusted you with stuff. You've actually just been passive. And I think also God is stirring us as a church. It is harvest time. He wants us now to use the things he's entrusted with us and put them to work so that we can become fruitful. And he said, I I could vomit you out of my mouth because you're so lukewarm. You think you're rich and wealthy and you don't need anybody. You're actually quite self-sufficient. But the truth is, and this is rather hard to swallow, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. That's how you really are. I thought, wow, that's a bit hard. Now, he said, if you want to get out of that state, which is what I see you as, there's some things you can do, and they're going to cost you. I counsel you, buy from me. You remember the virgins that didn't have the oil? They had to go and buy some, because they didn't have it before. There's a price to pay for some things. And the first thing he said, I want you to buy, I want you to buy some gold that's refined in the fire. You know what the Bible talks about is gold? He says, the trying of your faith is like gold in the fire. In other words, we need some faith here put into action. Start doing some faith works again. Start praying for some sick. Start sharing the good news. Start stepping out in faith. You just have to step out, though, not you? Just step out. Believe God, be true to his word, and if you step out in faith, you'll get some gold around your life. And if it doesn't work the first time, if people start getting, you know, at home and it's, it's trying, well, stand up in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the trial of your faith. Let your faith be tried. In fact, there's one other, um, one other passage in the Bible where that, that passage of being cast into outer darkness and, and having great grief is used. It's way back in Matthew 5, I think it is, when the centurion came along and said, you know, I want you to heal my servant. And um, the Lord said, yeah, I'll come. He said, Oh, hey, you don't have to come. Just say the word and he'll be healed. And, and Jesus said, I haven't seen such faith anywhere. He said, I bet at the end of the time, um, there'll, be, there'll be people in my kingdom who'll be in outer darkness and the gnashing of teeth because they haven't got that faith that this man's got. It's faith. It's actually putting to work what God says. That's what he wants us to do. If we're not going to be lukewarm, warm, we've got to start to put to work some of the truths of God's word, and buy some gold. Buy some gold. Then he says, okay, buy some gold, and um, buy gold, and you'll be rich, and some white garments. Those righteous acts, start doing some righteous acts, and letting your deeds, and your works be um, preparing garments for you, that you'll be clothed, and then you won't be shamed, and naked when I come back, and anoint your eyes with eyes out. Actually, you can't see what I see. And you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit sometimes to actually open your eyes to see your true state. Wow. And if you respond to these keys, he said, then. And he said one other thing. He says, I might be knocking at the door of your life or even at your church, and they don't want me. In fact, I heard a horrible story. A deacon was sitting down the back of the church, and he heard some footprints, and he thought of woman was going out to tend to her kids and he went out after them and he, he found the Lord in the foyer, he said they don't want me in there <laughs> but it could be like in our lives, do we want him, do we want him or is he just wanting to come in and become part of our lives that we actually, he's just knocking at the door and we are quite closed off and are not making room for him, I felt so sad yesterday I talked for two hours to a man and all their five members of this family were Christians but they weren't talking to each other They're harboring offenses, and they're all isolated and would have no talks. I thought, their hearts are just closed. They've got to deal with their bitternesses and unforgivenesses and start to restore their lives. But some people just shut the door, keep them out, go on nice, keeping myself safe. It's not how he wants us to live. He wants us to allow him in. But if we overcome, verse 21, you'll have the privilege of sitting with me on my throne. Wow. This is such easy teaching to see that we can um, do some things to make sure we are clothed and not disqualify ourselves. So, time's up now, but I just want to, first of all, reach out to anybody here who has not even given their hearts to the Lord. You know, the Bible says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. The things of the kingdom are just don't mean anything to you. The way in, the entrance point, is coming to the cross and saying, I might be bad, I might be in a bad state, I might have done heaps of things wrong all my life, but I thank you that you've made provision for me. You're going to have a huge exchange, you're going to take away all my sin and my badness and wrong things, and you're going to exchange it with your goodness, your righteousness. You're going to put on me now a garment that I can wear that enables me to come into your presence, and stand unashamed, and be able to stand in your presence, because he'll give it to you if you respond to the Lord. It's the most amazing provision. We don't qualify ourselves for salvation. It's a free gift. All it takes is coming to the invitation saying, Yes, Lord, I want to become born again. I want to have a spirit that's joined to your spirit and be alive. And then I want to allow my thoughts to change so that spirit can be put on and worn. And people can see that I'm putting on this new way of living. Get baptized. Bury the old man. Just get rid of him and start to put on Christ. Wear Christ. Let people see Christ in you. That's the first decision. And maybe today, uh, if you'd like to make this decision, i just going to have three categories. I want you, if you've never been born again, I want you to come and stand here just at the end of this meeting because I'd love to lead you to the Lord, that you might receive a garment, that you can come into the Lord's presence Anytime, because he will clothe you. But maybe you've been around a long time in church, and maybe the Lord's trying to stir us up. Maybe, actually, you're quite dead on the inside. You still come to church, you still go to cell group, you still do all the things that you've always done, because it's habit. But actually, there's no life on the inside of you. You're like the saddest church, you think you're okay, but actually, there's deadness in there. There's just no passion for God. There's no moving of God's spirit on you, there's no love for Jesus really, you're just dead isn't it good to actually acknowledge that acknowledge the fact and we can breathe and release life into you and then you can continue to go through the uh, Monday night classes this year and deal with yourself, take stock of where you're at and begin to strengthen yourself, get involved in the week of prayer and fasting, begin to repent of just being apathetic and lukewarm, just repent Come back, and he will cleanse you and wash you. Or maybe you're like the, the sins. You've actually been quite self-sufficient. You don't actually need anybody. Thank you very much. I'm fine. <laughs> but actually, you're wretched, you're blind, you're naked. According to the Lord's, Lord's um, uh, prophetic word to us, and we need to actually um, get some eyes out, get some anointed ministries, open our eyes to see our true state, and to uh, begin to get those garments on again and to begin to buy some gold. Start to step out of faith. Start to stir faith in our life. Start to believe that we can bring souls into the kingdom this year. Have a faith goal. God, how many can I bring? We're going to pray for a harvest. It's not going to happen if you, unless you step out in faith. You've got to believe that God doesn't want anybody to perish. But they're not going to come unless you invite them. And your faith may be tried. They might give you cheek. I remember the people that started inviting me to Pentecostal churches. I gave them cheek for about six months. I told them they believed a lot of stuff that wasn't true (laughs) because I thought I was right. But they persisted. And eventually God can break through. And to get your friends saved, what a thrill. What a tremendous thrill. But we've got to buy that gold. It's going to cost us something. But we can do it. We We can get this place doubled in size if we stir ourselves up from lukewarmness. So let's maybe just... Uh, sing one more song. And I want you just to um, be aware that you've got a garment to maintain. It can be robbed. It can be soiled. It can be um, in a state that when Jesus comes back, you'd be ashamed. And yet, and it, it's our job. The wife has made us self-ready. It's our job to make sure that our life reflects the life of Ask God to show us what has got in there that doesn't belong to us. Otherwise, wouldn't it be a terrible grief to realize you could be part of a tremendous time and season of sharing the throne with God, but you're just on the outside, knowing it's going on, but you're just ashamed and you're cast out because you just were apathetic, lazy, didn't deal with your life. Lord, we just thank you that you are stirring the church you're stirring our church here. Lord, you're drawing us into a place of, productivity of fruitfulness of making our lives count of being aware that you've entrusted us with talents, with giftings with garments to wear and God we just come before you today and ask you to let the light of your spirit really shine on us that we might face our true state oh that we would not remain in a place of deadness or lukewarmness or passivity or living on our past experiences that things we used to do God, this is the time that you'd breathe afresh upon us as a church, that we would arise as a body, stir ourselves in faith, begin to wear the garments that you've given us and shine and reflect your glory. God, come. Come and, Lord, bring to us an awareness of our true state. Lord, we so want to be part of the kingdom. So I want to reign and rule with you and be qualified and ready for your coming. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen me to sing this song. I, I'd love you to come if you've never given your heart to Jesus.